Well, good morning. Good morning. Then it is a good morning. Amen. We've already shared that this is the day the Lord hath made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And that word will is a powerful word now. All right. We don't know what's going to happen today. We don't know whether we'll be here when the sun sets tonight or not. Or, but we're to rejoice while we are. Praise God. Thank him for his blessings today. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one, the songwriter said. And it will surprise you. Why are we always surprised when God does something for us? Huh? I'm going to tell you why maybe in a minute. Sometimes we struggle with that. Things don't always go our way. I love that song. My father has planned it all. He knows the beginning to the end. And you know, when God does something and he passes a blessing to us, we say, wow, God's so good. And he is all the time. But we just don't see it that way, do we? Kind of hard times. You know, when we've got bills and, and, and uh, maybe physical Ill ailments or ailments, and then uh, different circumstances come up in our lives when we just, we have no control over that's when we just go to him and say, thank you, Lord. You know what's best. That's not my message this morning, but I do want to say this about your songbook. I thought as I sat there and I sang some of those songs, a couple of them I did not know. I think I may have heard them. But, you know, I think, I think every church, now I'm not going to go back and try to change the songbook in my church. Don't get nervous. But sometimes we get to singing those familiar hymns, and they're wonderful hymns. How about just once in a while switching songbooks? Huh? Uh, I, I love those songs, and I love Dr. Carlock. He was there. Bob Jones, if you were there, precious man, his wife, Vicki knew her well, and uh, got to know him while we were there. And, Amazing man, amazing lady. Had a tremendous impact on my life as a new Christian. And uh, his music, writing the songs and so forth. Uh, I'm going to go home and order a Majesty songbook. Just so I can sit down at the piano and bang out. I don't, I'm not proficient like uh, Mrs. Wurzel here. I wish I could play like that. But I do play at it. People ask me, do you play the piano? I say, I play at it. You know, that's all I can tell you. But God's been good to us. Quickly recap a little bit. It's been a couple of months, I think, since we were here with you, but the Lord's been blessing. Souls are being saved. People are coming for counseling to our counseling ministry, which we're rapidly developing. It's coming into, into shape now with uh, publication and uh, uh, printed materials. Pastor has asked me to go to some of the uh, uh, pastor's fellowships, which I haven't been to in a long time because of my health, but he would like me to go and, and just have a table where we could just present the work, and, and uh, we're counseling now uh, faithfully with others. We have a young man now uh, who comes from a very dear Christian home. We know his family well. But he's reaching out to us. We've had others come. And by the way, if you know of someone that ever mentions wanting to counsel in some area, now this is biblical counseling. All right, we don't go the world philosophy. We don't. We we don't. We had to. We had to take a little bit of it through some of the secular books because there aren't enough good writers writing biblical counseling yet. It's not new, but it's newer than some of them are able to keep up with in publications, but uh, it's all about the Bible. It's all about Jesus. That's all we do, and we start right out with understanding or giving them an opportunity to know Christ as their personal Savior, and um, you, I don't know if I shared the astounding facts when we first entered into the biblical counseling. My wife and I, that's our doctorate. We're not, we're not MDs. We're PhDs, and that's uh, post-hole diggers. 
but I keep telling people we just keep digging and planting and God gives the increase so we're not going to quit until it's to his time. But uh, one of the astounding facts that struck me really hard from one of my uh, mentors in our study was that uh, 25%, and this fellow has, knows, I think he knows what he's talking about because he's been counseling now biblically for 38 years. And uh, his take on it was that polls that he has written and shared in his material for us is that 25 people who come for biblical counseling now, biblical counseling, I can't stress that word enough. In fact, they wanted to put Christian counseling on my diploma and my wife's diploma when we got our doctorate. And I said, no. There's just too many ways to look at Christian. You know, if you're not a Catholic, you're a Christian. This is the way I was programmed. And uh, this fellow said 25% of the folks that have come to him for counseling in the past years are not even saved. 25%. And then he went on to say 65% are out of fellowship with God. Now let me clarify something here when I say out of fellowship with God. They think they're in fellowship with God by what they do. It's a doer mentality rather than a being mentality or a beer mentality. And the Bible is very strong in this. And I got to studying it. I got to studying uh, different uh, cases and scenarios and things and found that uh, he's right. So the first place we start is to be sure they have an opportunity to know Christ as their personal Savior. Now, we don't beat them over the head with the plan of salvation, the ABCs, the one, two, threes, but we give them the word of God and show them how much God loves them. I love those songs this morning you sang, brother. They're so fitting. And then this guy gets up, this gentleman gets up and, and reads from chapter 13. I thought he was going to preach my notes there for a minute. But I, I will add to what he said. We will not read that passage. I was thinking about reading it, but I have a text for you this morning. We'll read that first, and then we'll go into the Word. But just thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Thank you for the opportunity that we have of sharing the ministry with you. Um, we're not traveling as much as we uh, have in the past, and my wife isn't able to, and I came to grips with it here a few weeks ago and said, you know, I don't want to go... Lord, I had to take it up with him, and then I talked to my pastor about it. I said, I don't want to go and leave her behind. Uh, at 80 and 81, who knows? So we have decided that day trips, short trips, this is one of them. I love to come here, Brother Rob. It's a blessing for me because I'm with people of like faith. I need that as much as you need it. Um, but uh, our involvement as far as the uh, traveling is concerned, it's kind of coming to a, a little bit of an end. I will be doing more counseling out of our church. As I said, pastor wants to put more people in my path that uh, know of people who need and want help. And by the way, they have to want help before you can counsel them. And so we're just praying that God will continue to bless us and use us. The work at the prison is amazingly healthy. God has been so good to me in helping me with Spanish people there who came to me and wanted a Bible study. And they've been with me now about eight, eight nine months. And these are a group of Christian young men that love the Lord. They come from uh, the Dominican Republic. They may not be Baptist, they may not be of our stripe, but they're hungry for the word. And every week I get to give them the word. And I have an interpreter. And uh, the Lord's provided recently like three bilingual men. There was a time when I struggled because I only had one, and then when he wasn't there, I went, oh, no, now what do I do? And uh, we have some good, solid Bible, Spanish material. Uh, I even went out and, and purchased a bilingual King James Bible. It's got English on this side, 
one column, and then you got your Spanish. Then you got your English and your Spanish are the same text. So if I get up here and I start speaking in tongues, it'll probably be Spanish. I won't do that to you. <laughs> anyway, God has given us souls there. He's given us a very much of a love for those inmates. I've been in federal court now for a few times, and and uh, we have a girl today. And her, please pray in your prayer time for Elizabeth. She's now down in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. But God opened the door for me to find a pastor down there who said he wanted to go and visit with her. Good, solid Bible preaching church. And uh, he wants to, uh, he, he said, well, Brother Jackson, you won't believe this. I just talked with him, what, two days ago, right, honey? He said, Brother Jackson, uh, I won't believe this, but our church has been praying that we'd be able to get into that facility. And it's in Harrisburg. It's Dolphin County uh, uh, Prison and uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And his church is right there in Harrisburg, just down the street from the prison. So pray for Elizabeth. She's expecting her second child. She can't be more than 20 years old. Got a little girl. And now she's going to have a second one in just a matter of days. Elizabeth, her name is. So God's been good to us, and we thank him for his faithfulness to us and you folks here who are standing true to the word of God, and I pray that you'll continue and you're in our prayers consistently as to uh, finding the right person to come and to feed you faithfully and be here for you as your pastor. And uh, But I thank you for continuing on for him. Take your Bibles this morning and let's turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. going to be looking at verses 7 to 21, and then some of my comments in conclusion will be from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We know that as the love chapter. And, uh, but I want you to see something here in 1 John, first of all, this morning, chapter 4. And before I do that, I want to share quickly a uh, uh, a word about something that took place in my ministry that came to mind as I started preparing and reading. And I was reading in 1 Corinthians 13. This February, by the way, is noted as Love Month. Okay. Uh, chapter 13 is known as the Love Chapter of the New Testament. And uh, I just got saved September 6, 1961. Finished my studies at Bob Jones University, at which time I had met my wife at the hospital and wife-to-be at the hospital, and she was staff, I was student. We didn't really date a lot, but we spent a lot of time because I arranged it so I could work in the male orderly, as a male orderly in the hospital, and she was in charge of obstetrics at that time. So we got to see a lot of each other, and then we went to South America, you know the story, I proposed to her on the Amazon, and came home and was married the 25th of, uh, uh, 27th of December. And um, it was 2000, uh, I mean, that was uh, 1, 000, uh, 1965, 1965. I've got 20,000 in my mind, 2,000. And uh, I began my preaching ministry. I uh, founded a little church. Actually, I served as a, in a church as a pastor for three years. And then uh, after purchasing some land, uh, we started a church in our home and uh, ended up building a church building. I was also in the carpentry work. And so we started the church in uh, 1975. We built a building. And, uh, but in the, in the interim of the, all of that, I was making friends with different pastors in Maine, and one of them happened to be uh, down in the Lisbon Falls area at the time. And he was a ham radio operator. Well, I also am a ham radio operator. And uh, so we had something in common, and we met a few times. And and uh, our Christian school, we had a Christian school in our church, and we also met with their Christian school for different activities. So I got to know him pretty well. And one day he calls me, and he says, uh, now, now get the picture now. I'm a new Christian, 
just starting preaching, green behind the ears, or wet behind the ears, I guess they call it. And he asked me to come and speak at a Valentine's banquet. And I jumped to it. I said, sure. This was a seniors now. Seniors. And here I am. I'm going to guess probably, honey, I tried to do the math, but probably somewhere between 25 and 30 years old. Is that somewhere near, basically? And uh, I had all kinds of zeal. Boy, did I have zeal. I loved to get in that pulpit and preach. And we started in our in a home, and then we moved into our church building, and God was blessing, and we had a Christian school the following September after I'd finished building the building. And so he calls me and says, would you come and preach at a Valentine's banquet? I said, oh, I'd be honored. And so I started praying, started reading the Bible, started thinking, and I remembered, oh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I think I'll go there, Lord. Is that okay? He gave me permission to go there. So the day came, or the night came, we were going to have the banquet. And <laughs> I chuckled every time. I and, and please, I hope you'll take this right. My biggest concern, when I, I, don't, I haven't shared this maybe only two or three other times, but it seemed to be fitting to do this to preface my remarks this morning. I took the pulpit. Little little pep. We were. I think we. Were, I can't remember. We were at the church or at a restaurant or somewhere, and there was probably 25, 30 couples there, seniors. And I'm 23, 24 years old, maybe 25. And I got up. He announced me, introduced me as Pastor Norman Jackson from. Uh, uh, at the time, the church was called Northwoods Christian Church. We had since now the church was the one I resigned. Who was, or I should say. Before I merged with the Norway Baptist Church, we changed our name to Faith Baptist Church from Northwoods Christian Church. And that's another story, but he introduced me, and I got up and took the podium, and the first words out of my mouth, I looked over at the congregation or the crowd, not the congregation, but the crowd, and I said, remember now, these are seniors. I said, how's your love life? Man, you could have heard a pin drop. Everybody looked at their spouses. Where is he going with this? How is your love life? How inappropriate, maybe, they felt. I don't know. I never got any comments about it. But I wish I could have taken that phrase and put it back in here. Because their reaction was such that it just kind of broke the ice maybe a little bit. But I quickly turned to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians and started reading. That's how I got out of it. It's not the favorite thing to do. And I remember that. I call it one of my bloopers. Made a few of them as a young pastor. But, uh, you know, this idea of love here, I think uh, John and 1 John here, chapter 4, we have a very, very, Interesting fact, this is, this is where we go with our, our counselees. The very first thing we do is we teach them how to have an intimate, personal, passionate relationship with God. Just keep those words in mind. Write them down somewhere in your Bible. Maybe ask yourself the question, do I have an intimate, personal, passionate relationship with God? If you're able, would you please stand with me and let's share together beginning in verse 7, 1 John chapter 7, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, First uh, John chapter 4 verse, uh, wait a minute, now I'm going to get all messed up here. All right, 1 John uh, chapter 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love of God and uh, love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 
Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to have ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. And if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do just and testify that that uh, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of God hath to uh, the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And his commandments have we from him, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother. Father, help us today to see truths before us, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity of standing here and for the privilege it is to Bring your word. Father, Holy Spirit of God, I pray today that you just minister to each heart's need. Help us in this matter of understanding love and the love you have for us and the love that, Lord, is due you from us. Speak, Holy Spirit of God, and have your will and way. And if there be one here this morning in our midst that knows not the Lord Jesus is their Savior, may today be that day of salvation for them. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Thirty-three times in the book of First John. Now, John's a very small book, we know. But 33 times in the book of First John, God says, I love you. I love you. Thirty-three times. Now, my dear friends, I don't think it should go without knowing today that our world's in a mess. And if our world needs anything today, I believe is that they need to know God loves them. I don't know how many times now in the prison and outside the prison, in the marketplace, wherever I am, when I give somebody a track, I want them to know no matter what, God loves you. The one track that I use, I may have mentioned this one of the times past, but I have it with me. The one track I use is the greatest verse in the Bible. It's the only track I use in the prison, in English, and it's John 3.16. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I hope you're aware of those around you that need to know God loves them this morning. We hear a lot of the in, in the political realm. We hear a lot in the physical realm. We were discussing some of the news broadcasts that we saw this week and the, uh, the loss of lives by people who need to know that God loves them before it's eternally too late. Repetition, I'm told, is the key to learning. Does that not fit the fact that there's 33 times that God would say in his word, I love you? I think God wants us to know that, don't you? I love you. I love you. Now, the second thing that 1 John does, it tells us how to have a real, intimate, personal, passionate, 
relationship with God. And I gave you the astounding statistics. I'll not repeat them, but people today are more, Christians today are more in the doer mentality than they understand being what God wants them to be. The average church member does not take seriously the fellowship and how important fellowship with God really is. If you have any questions, I just encourage you to go home and read the book of 1 John. You're welcome to text me. If you need explanation, I'm happy to help you with that. But I'll tell you, it's all about Jesus and knowing God and having that personal relationship with him. I praise God that we have the Holy Spirit in us when we come to trust Christ. Never leaves us, but oh, how we leave him for the sake of the flesh and performing Christianity rather than being what he wants us to be. Listen to him. Walk with him. Be filled with him. Trust him. For he knows far better than you and I what the ultimate outcome is. Again, I believe repetition is the key to learning. Now let me just take a moment as we will be looking over into 1 Corinthians in a minute, but let me take a moment and uh, define three of the loves that are in the Bible. Now this is probably not new. In fact, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And I'm just a delivery boy this morning. But the first love I think about is the strongest of all loves, and that's the agape love. Agape love. Let me define that for you this morning. The agape love is uh, of, the, of the fruit of the Spirit, but it's, it's the deepest love known to mankind. It is not only God's love for us, but it's also our love for God. And that's exactly what it should be. The second is that of the filial. It's called filial love. Filial is friendship. It's kind of an acquaintance thing, a, a getting to know people and, and reaching out to people and helping people. It's a friendly love. And then, of course, there's the heiress love, and this is pretty much where I guess Valentine's Day is gone. I mean, our, our candy companies and our flower companies and our card companies are just running away with this thing. They really have hopped on, and they're making millions and billions, maybe, on one day. I know we had a candy store ourselves at one time in Maine, my wife will tell you. On Valentine's Day, in fact, my mother was buried on Valentine's Day. How many years ago, sweetheart, Sherry say? 23 years ago. And we had this little candy store there in Oxford, Maine, and we had her funeral that afternoon. And after the funeral, my wife and our, uh, one of our friends, it's, uh, my wife's friend, went back to the store to work. And we had locked up the store during, the, of course, the funeral service in respect of my mom. And the line went out through the parking lot of men on their way home from work. They couldn't wait to get in. One of the biggest sales day I think we had in that little store. That's a, that's a, uh, an eros love, E-R-O-S. That's a relational love between husband and wife. Man is a trichotomy. You today sitting here are comprised of a body, a soul, and a spirit. Until you trust Christ as your Savior, that spirit is dead. And it works on the body, and it, the body carries out its desires from a dead spirit. But when our life is quickened by the Holy Spirit, and we be are made alive in Him, now we seek to do with our mind and our body and our, and our mind and our emotion and our will, we seek to please God. That's how it works. And that, at least that's how it should work. 
And if our heart and our soul, that is our mind will, um, and emotions, is not right, and our relationship is not right with God, then we cannot love God like we ought to love him. We cannot carry out his will the way he wants us to because it's a selfish thing. There's so much to be said and so little time to say it, but let me say, when we look at the fruit of the Spirit from the Bible, as the Holy Spirit would, would lead us and guide us, we see the first of the three fruit. Now in John, John's Gospel, we have the, the uh, uh, rec not recommendation, but the admonition from the Lord Jesus himself telling us that we're to bear fruit, correct? He says we're to bear fruit, we're to bear more fruit, and we're to bear much fruit. How do we do that? It's through our relationship with the Lord that we're able to do it, and only through him can we do it. The first three fruit, as you know them, as love, joy, and peace. Just as man has a three-part person, as a trichotomy, so we see the very first fruit, love, joy, and peace, is an inward fruit. Love, joy, and peace within us as we obey the Lord and his word. The second of the three fruit, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness, we call that the outward fruit. That's what we demonstrate to other people. That's what we share with them, that God loves them. And we, we do it through patience, which is long-suffering. We do it through gentleness, not harsh. Just gentleness. As the Spirit dictates in, to our spirit now as a believer, we can carry out the fruit of the Spirit. And only can we carry it out then. So we have the inward. That's love, joy, and peace in my heart because I have the Holy Spirit. And I portray that as a Christian. Secondly, we have the outward. And then thirdly, and most importantly, we have the upward. And the last three of the fruit is faith, meekness, and temperance. And that's what God will carry out his fruit in my life as I seek to have that intimate, passionate, personal relationship with him. How we walk spiritually decides what fruit we bear. Not rocket science. How we act spiritually how we walk the bible says you walk in the spirit you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh that's how simple it is it's not it's not overwhelming but as i i'll go back and have to repeat myself and say the average christian sitting in, in, in pews around the world today pays little attention on a daily basis moment by moment if they are truly in fellowship with God. Please read 1 John. Just read it through once for me. Now we have our clients read through it more times. But after a while, the little light comes on and they go, oh, that's not so bad. This is good. You see, we're prone to read, aren't we, the Bible? But how much do we meditate? How much do we, how much time do we really spend putting that old girl in neutral and saying, I'm going to park here a while. That's what God wants. God wants us. You know, we're on a fast track. We, we haven't got, you know, if we have time to read the, I guess you have a, what's your devotional out there called? Uh, prayer, prayer and Praise. Is that, so, that that little booklet out there? I just saw, what is it called? Praise? No, whatever. I can't get it. But anyway, we have them. We have, a, we have one called uh, uh, Baptist Bread. We have one called Daily Bread. One's Our Daily Bread. It used to be one with M.R.D. Hahn and that. Yeah, I had my devotions today. I read the little story. I looked down and it showed me I could read the Bible through a year. Now, I'm gonna, I got my own plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It won't work, people. That's not being in fellowship with God. I'm sorry. We need to spend time with God. Tell him how much you love him. Because remember, Romans 5.8 says, 
He loved us and gave himself for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't deserve anything except hell this morning. How we walk spiritually decides what fruit we bear. I'm reminded of John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Let's just go back there quickly. I got a couple of verses I want to share with you. In the matters of fruit bearing. This is where Jesus is speaking here about bearing fruit. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Why? That it may bring forth more fruit. And then look down at verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Again, the statement holds true. Our spirituality and our passionate desire and, and of a personal relationship with the Lord is going to dictate as to how we under, come to understand what real love is all about. And that's the only way. Paul speaking here in the book of 1 Corinthians. Let's get over there quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll not take time to read it. It's been read. But I want you to see this morning some things here about 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And look at especially verse 13. Paul writing here to Christians at the church of Corinth. He says here, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Notice, faith and hope are inward. Faith and hope are within us. If we trust Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells us, that's when we can exercise faith and that's when we can have hope and they are not only inward, but they're also Godward. That's what God wants. Now, watch this. Look at charity. Charity is an outward expression. It's an outward. There we are. Right back to the, to the inward, to the outward, to the upward. It's our love for him. It's our love for others, the brethren. I'm not taking it out of context now. I've heard a lot of messages around this 13th chapter, and they're not always read right on the Bible, okay? i got to tell you that. But let me, let me say this about it. Number one, this love, this charity is visible love. Many of you are taking notes. John chapter 13. Verse 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. Verse 35 says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. I'm just a delivery boy, folks. I'll go back and ask you, how's your love life? And I think you now know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your love for God today. This is what the Bible is talking about. Secondly, not only is it a visible love, but it is a sacrificial love. John 15, verses 12 to 14 says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. He's commanding us now to love each other. It's a command. It's not, eh, I don't feel like it. No, no, it's a command. That ye love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. In verse 14, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Okay, 
we're now developing or wanting to develop a more personal, passionate relationship with the Lord. And folks, this is where it's at. This is what's missing. This is the missing key. Having a doer mentality. Oh, I, I go to church every Sunday. That's wonderful. Oh, I tithe. That's wonderful. That's commanded in the word of God. I, I, I uh, pass out tracts. That's good. But you can do all those things and not be in fellowship with God. Ouch. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That is a doer mentality versus a being mentality or a being Christian. Let's look at number three. This love is an initiated love. 1 John 4.10. I'm telling you to go back and read those few chapters in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And verse 11 says, Beloved, if God loved not us, we ought also to love one another. We've got an initiated love. He loved us. Now we owe him to love each other. Oh, I can't tell you the number of times I saw in my own, I can only speak for my own church as a pastor, but all the years that we were there in Norway, Maine, North Norway, and then joining with the Norway Baptist Church, I'll tell you, I was fighting this all the time with Christians nitpicking each other. I'm not going to sit in that pew with them. Huh? Come on. This is not the love of God. This is not, this must grieve God. He must be so hurt when Christians can't get along over the littlest things. Number four, it's a pure love. First Peter chapter one, verse 22 seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, now this is being born again, unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. I like that word. Fervently, not haphazardly. But fervently. That leads me to number five. It's a fervent love. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22 uh, uh, Peter chapter 1 22 same as chapter as verse as number 4 seeing ye have purified your souls with a love one another with a pure heart fervently see it number 6 only got a couple more to go it's an abounding love an abounding love. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love. Now Jesus came, we're told, that we might have life and have it abundantly or more abundantly. So we are to abound more and more as we develop that personal, passionate relationship with the Lord Jesus, we should have that abounding love within us toward one another, toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Paul speaking here. This was Paul's mission. He was trying to bring these people together, always thankful for the way that God blessed him and how God used him, and what an amazing testimony he has. Number seven, it's all of the above, plus it's a serving love. I'm talking about this charity of 1 Corinthians 13. It's a serving love. Put down Galatians 5.13. Let me read. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Look at it. But by love serve one another. Yeah. We're called to serve one another. 
We're called to reach out and to encourage one another. When was the last time you actually took a moment and said to somebody, how can I help you? How can I encourage you today? I see people, I see my, my, my staff members at the, at the prison. They're coming into my office and I say, well, how can I help? I ask the inmates, how can I help? I don't know why they're in there. I never ask why they're in there. It's not my business that they're in there. But I want to encourage them. I love them. I love them deeply, my folks. You sit with a guy that thinks he's going to get out of jail and the federal judge throws him 14 years more. And I've been by his side through this also. In fact, God put him back in my facility after being gone and probably having been in three or four other facilities all over the United States on the same charging now, same charges. He is two units away from graduating from our course of graduate of theology. Two units, Brother Rob. There are 13 units to the course. It's not, a, it's not a give them a certificate. No, it's a diploma. It's something to be proud of. And I've seen the hand of God in this man's life. Uh, he was complaining the other day that he didn't have time to just, he's trying to finish it because they, and they may, he may be gone come Tuesday. But he has 14 years. He's just being held in our facility right now, waiting a place in a federal prison for 14 years. And I've had to tell him, look, God's got a plan for your life. He trusted Christ the first time he was in my facility. Another officer, a Christian officer, led him to the Lord. And he grabbed onto this graduate of theology course, and he got through five units is all he got through. That's all. But he kept writing our church and saying, can I continue? Can I continue? And we had trouble following him wherever he was going because they have to reach out to us. We don't reach out to them. That's not, that's not allowed. All of a sudden, he shows back up at Merrimack County. <laughs> Is that not God? I immediately went to him, and he wrote me, and he said, I want to continue, Chaplain Jackson. Please give me all the lessons that I can stand. I need them. And out of the 13, he has maybe one and a half, maybe two. To complete. Now, the other day he got to complaining. He got in trouble. They put him up in what we call SAG. It's a lockdown thing. Very little time out. Very little freedom. Guess what? I said, uh, his name is Dave. I said, Dave, guess what? God got you in here for a reason. And that's so you got more time to work on your studies. And that's exactly what he's doing. All right? That's exactly what he's doing. And I believe, by the grace of God, he will finish before he leaves Merrimack. And I hope to have his diploma before he leaves. Listen, folks, we need to encourage one another. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your needs are today, but I can encourage you. Even if it's just to say, I'm, I'll be praying for you. I love you. God loves you. And I'll be praying for you. You don't know what that'll do, what that'll spark. And so we see it's a serving love, this charity. And last of all, it is an overlooking love. Probably this is the most difficult area, the overlooking love. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, and we'll close. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one for another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Ah, <laughs> oh, boy. I see some of you squirming a little. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> you know, uh, we pray for patience. Well, it says tribulation work is patience. I think we need it. And we need to get a hold of this idea of that personal, passionate relationship with the Lord. And let the Holy Spirit work in our life. 
being what he wants us to be. Stop doing and 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 doing. And you get so tired you just want to quit. That's not God. That's not God. My prayer for you as I leave today is this. Take your Bibles and turn over to one last verse. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, I read. I may have a wrong reference here. That's a good way to wrap it up, isn't it? Uh, let me see here. Yeah, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm sorry. Anyway, I can quote it, or I can, I can give you the, the reference. Maybe, honey, you can quickly go over and find it. I don't know, I scribbled something out here too, so I think that's my fault. Anyway, in Colossians chapter uh, 3 and verse 16. Wait a minute. Nope, I'm right. It's a different Bible than I usually have with me. That's why it's not underlined. I apologize. I glanced over and I was looking at trying to read verse 16 out of chapter 4. Here it is. Forbearing one another. And forgiving one another. If many men have quarreled against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That's 13. Now let's go down to 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Folks, that's exactly what we did this morning as Brother Wetzel led us in the music. Singing, praising God with one another. May God help you in this little church to have that kind of unity, that oneness in the spirit that he wants you to have, fulfilling his desire 